We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, rolling on with our season two Ted Lasso rewatch episode 10. It was an absolute emotional banger. I am joined, as always, by my co-host. She is never going to give you up or let you down. It is Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you tonight? Love that intro. Thank you. That was. Did you come up with that on the fly? I did. I did. Alex, how is the content at For the Win right now? We got lots of content. So many sports are happening. So many pieces of content on our website. Definitely check it out. I am I'm thrilled to hear that, folks. You can go to just just Google For the Win. You will you will find it. Uh we're not giving out the URL tonight. And uh, you'll get for, the URL. <laughs> might be in the show notes. Uh, and for <laughs> a very special episode, we had to invite a very special guest, a guy I'm a huge fan of. It is comedian Corey Ryan Forrester. Corey, how are you doing tonight? Thank you so much for joining us on Big Screen Sports. I am wonderful, Kyle and Alex. Thank you all for having me. Of course, absolutely. And you are on tour right now. Tell the folks uh, where you're going, where you're headed, where they can scrounge up those tickets. Uh, yeah, I don't know. When do y'all release this? Thursday. Thursday. Okay. So tonight I will be in San Jose. Come say hey, and then let's get some wings at Paper Plains afterwards. How about you? Then on to Huntsville, Huntsville, Alabama, Washington, D.C. I'm about to get the order wrong. I'm just spitting off the dome. Seattle, Spokane, uh, and Nashville in December for our huge Christmas blowout shows. I know that uh, uh, three of those are almost sold out. So it's going to be really fun. We're at Zany's. And uh, just go to wellreadcomedy.com and you can see all that stuff. I was going to say, yeah, folks want to fact check that list. Do yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> well, wellreadcomedy.com. Yeah, Everyone yeah. go check that out. 
And a little bit of housekeeping for this podcast. Want to welcome some new patrons. That's Nick Merriam, James Kowalewski, and Isaac Pigott. Again, folks, if I get your names wrong, shoot me a message. Let me know. Send me those pronunciations. I'm awful with names. Uh, Shout out to our producer-level patrons. That's Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, and James Kowalewski. If you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, you can support this show. You can get episode notes. You get scheduling updates. When I know what's coming on the show, you know what's coming on the show. Uh, you can vote for movies and patrons choice topics covered by the podcast. The October movie, it is at time of recording. I think it or at time of, uh, of this episode coming out, I think it will be locked up as love and basketball for the month of October. New poll will be going up soon for the November movie and going to do a Ted Lasso season two AMA and wrap up show for the patrons. So, Go check that out, and most importantly, we've got stickers on that Patreon. That's patreon.com slash sports. Now, let's get to our episode, Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 10, No Weddings and a Funeral. Rebecca is stunned by a sudden loss. The team rallies to show their support, but Ted finds himself grappling with a piece of his past. Holy shit, this episode Something that I think is the hardest in every Ted Lasso episode is picking out like the most emotional moment or your favorite scene or something like that. I feel like, Corey, I feel like in this episode it's easy, but it's also surrounded by just an incredible episode from start to finish. Yeah, man. I mean, the tone of this season, like obviously Ted Lasso's never, they've not missed a beat as far as being funny and it's... uh... You know, I, I don't know if I would necessarily say, oh, yeah, it's a complete comedy first show because there is so much heart in there. But this season, man, it's like it's like they all knew that we were all thinking, hey, guys, uh, this guy can't just be a completely positive man forever. Like that doesn't exist. you got to you got to give it to me. And uh, yeah, man, I probably teared up in this episode as many times as I laughed and I laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. And Alex, I think you had a you had a tweet from a couple weeks ago talking about where people people have been complaining. Where's the conflict in Ted Lasso? And, you know, where where's the, the drama in it? And I think and you said it was like two episodes ago. You were like, here it is. Well, now here it really is. No. Yeah, I think like I don't really understand. And I was going to ask Corey about this later in the episode because I talk. Actually, I'll just talk about it now. So. You know, like obviously in talking to Corey, like he's hilarious. We know this, but he's also a huge mental health advocate. And if you follow him, you know that. And we've talked before about how people tend to, when you're a performer, they tend to want you to be one thing. Mm. And just like the show, everybody fell in love with it in the first season because it was hopeful and uplifting. And I feel like everybody who truly has not liked it this season, it's because they want it to be one thing. And it's just been interesting because the complaints I see are not really about the story. It's not really about the writing they just didn't want to get this real this fast, I think. And sorry, that's life. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think it's fair. Like, look, if that's the show you were looking for, it's clearly not that right now. And you obviously have the right to be like, yeah, I was just kind of looking for something to only make me feel good the whole time. And I do think that like the reason that Ted Lasso season one came out the gate smashing in, frankly, I mean, it's probably the most, um, the thing that's changed my mind the quickest on a show, like I going into this, I was like, there's no way this works. It doesn't work. It's a commercial. It's based on a commercial. It, it'll be good for a couple of episodes. And I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, Oh yeah. Wait, it's Bill Lawrence and, and Jason Sudeikis, you idiot. Like they're, they're going to figure out a way. <laughs> but I think the reason that the first season worked so well is because we were all 
collectively going through the same thing, which like since 9-11 hasn't really happened in America where we all have the same problem. And it was such a warm blanket. And it was just this one thing we had that there's no animosity. But again, I, artistically, I'm like, yeah, but everyone knows that's not real. So we got to pull the pull the cover back a little bit. So like as someone who likes making shows, it's awesome. Yeah. And there's season season one was fairly continuously uplifting as Alex said, I mean, there were, you know, there were shades of what we've really unpacked in season two, but for the most part, it was let's, let's get happy. Let's smile a lot. Let's feel good. And then in season two, we've kind of dove more into even more human problems and stuff like that. But I would say that the hopeful feeling is something that we still get out of all these episodes and something it does so well. And that we watch it. It's very difficult that that scene with Ted and Dr. Sharon, this episode, but we watched Ted have, a major breakthrough and not, you know, it's nothing that's going to flip a switch and make everything okay for him. But we watch him be vulnerable and open up and have this moment that he has really been, been swallowing for, you know, probably over half his life now at this point. And that stuff is just as, I think just as important for us to see and in a different way feels just as good as you know, watching like watching Roy walk on the field to she's a rainbow and stuff like that. Um, Alex, when you when you wrapped this one, this was this was a lot to take in because, I mean, for you, you guessed a plot point right in this one, so you you were able to to Finally. wave that flag on to wave that <laughs> flag as well. But when you wrapped this episode, what what kind of what kind of washed over you? I you know it's interesting. I watched it with Adam Amin, who was our guest a few weeks ago. We he's not traveling to some game like we'll typically FaceTime watch at the same time we were both just crying the whole time and so it's one of those episodes like you get done with it and then you have to watch it again just to process what happened because I you know there's just a lot of and I know it's a lot of like personal projecting on my part it's just hard to watch any show or episode that has like a parent and a funeral and it's sad you know but I think when I went back and watched it I just felt really uneasy about a lot of things and I didn't like it and not in the way that I did after we found out Sam and Rebecca were texting each other or after even they hooked up. There's a lot going on in this episode that I feel like is not going to work out for anybody. <laughs> and I feel like the whole world's about to fall apart, even though there are only two episodes left. So it was great, but it just left me. You don't, you don't feel like any loose ends are really tied up here except Rebecca's relationship with her mother. Yeah, the last thing we do in all these episodes is like, what question do you want answered at the end of this? And I think after this episode, I have the most questions and the most uncertainty about what's going to happen next. I don't, I, not to say that the show has been entirely predictable, but this is definitely the most where I feel like the most balls are up in the air right now. And I'm not really sure where things are going to land. Corey, I don't know how you feel, but I, I I thought I had a really good grasp on this season like four episodes ago. I felt like I had a good idea of where we're headed, and now I have no idea. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, in the first season, like we were watching all these individual character journeys, and the, the stakes weren't necessarily, you know, ridiculously high, which obviously helps something to be a warm blanket show. It's like, oh, everything will probably work out, and it's fine. But now that we've got Sam and Rebecca and Roy and Keeley. Now we've got characters that we've fallen in love with who are now with each other. And so one thread pulls and someone's heart's going to get broke and the entire world can kind of shatter. Um, 
Ted is really crushing me right now. <laughs> like, but, and I, I would like to point out how great I think it is that they are making him so vulnerable and making him so heartbreaking on camera because in any other show, you know, like you, you watch The Wire and you see it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, McNulty's going through some depression issues. Look at the guy. He's alcoholic. He, you know, he works the heroin beat. Like, but not really ever in a show do you get the person who is, in a lot of ways, the true face of depression, which is has it completely all together on the outside. You would never know it because, I mean, we've all got the we all know the person who we've been to their funeral and everybody's like, I would have never seen it coming. That's Ted Lasso. And that to, to my knowledge, I've never seen that on TV. And I think that's very, very, very important. So I'm feeling sad about it for the show, but I'm feeling awesome about it as uh, looking forward into how um, I guess the media treats depression and sort of removes the stigma. And I just thought, I thought it was a great episode. If I can cry and laugh, it's, it's great. And I've, I cry more now and I, and I cried during this episode. It was, it was, it was an emotional gut punch in a lot of ways. Uh, as guest, you, you have to go first in picking the best scene and this, you can interpret this any which way you want. It's your favorite scene. It's what you thought the best scene was. Um, what, you know, when you, when you wrap this episode, what's the one that, that stands out? I think it's kind of an easy choice, but yeah. there's also a lot of great attachments in this one. There were a lot of great scenes when I was when I was rewatching it before I got to this scene. I had two more written down, but I'm very glad. Do that we want to go honorable mentions for each of us and then <laughs> talk about the scene? Well, I mean, I'm glad that I'm going first just because I know that mine is y'all's too. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be repeating myself. Uh, I, can I give you my honorable mention before I give you my scene? Okay, uh, honorable mention was the scene uh, where Roy and Keely are getting ready for the funeral and they're they're bullshitting back and forth. And uh, oh my God, what was the line? Uh, oh yeah, she goes, uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She goes, uh, she goes. Funerals are weird. Uh, no, no, no. Excuse me. That was what Sasha. Yeah, yeah. She goes. Uh, what would you do if I, if you got hit by a bus? I'd hope you'd go find the bus driver and take care of what happened to me. Avenge me, Keely. Avenge me. I thought that was all great. Uh, cause I, it was just a funny, funny comedy moment. I love this relationship so much. They are the, the, the Jim and Pam for another generation. They're absolutely wonderful. But I mean, the best scene was the, was the Ted and Rebecca or, uh, Ted, Ted talking to the therapist, Rebecca talking to her mom and them cutting back and forth in what I like to call Frasier-esque fashion. You know, that it wasn't like, it wasn't Frazier, but like they used to always do those things where like a door opens and we finish this sentence. Then the door opens, we finish that sentence. And I just thought that was great because it was it was dark. It was, I mean, going to a place where like, man, you're you're both admitting that you hate your dad. This is really, really intense right now. It was just well executed, well done. And aside from the writing, I mean, Jason Sudeikis is, boy, can that man act. And I, and, you know, I mean, that goes without saying. I often talk in this show about uh, when you where you're watching a scene in a movie or TV show and you're you're watching someone win an award. I always go back to my cousin Vinny. You're watching Marissa Tomei snatch that Oscar For in that sure. in that in that scene at the end, and this was like watching two people snatch snatch Emmys simultaneously between Hannah Waddingham and Jason Sudeikis. And I know Alex, we, we just watched the Emmys. We talked about the Emmys on last week's episode. Did we, did we see two consecutive wins from, from Jason and, and Hannah Waddingham at this one? 
Yeah, I think so. Unless Hacks comes back and tries to steal some more awards, but um, no, Hacks. It, is that it was you brilliant. saying you're not a Hacks fan? Okay. okay. Oh no, I like I like Hacks. It was just the joke, you know, being. I wanted them to sweep all the categories, but yeah. Hacks is nice. I love um, Hacks so much. Please start a Hacks <laughs> podcast and I'll do it too. Let's go. Yeah. Let's I have to finish up. it. Um, yeah, but no, I thought it was brilliant. I thought, you know, at first, like I wasn't, I thought it was a little silly that it was on the same day. And that's just me being nitpicky about the writing, right? Did it have to be on the same day? Like the Fridays, September for 13th that, or whatever. Okay, sure. You know, it was just like, but at, at first, like I changed my mind after I just thought we were going to get into something that was a little trite. I don't know. And then it unfolds. And I think like her mom plays off of her so well and kind of lets her have that scene. And obviously, um, oh God, what's her name? Sharon. Um, Dr. Sharon does the same thing with Ted, but yeah, it was awful. And it just shows you, it illustrates in a perfect scene how, we come out of childhood, even good childhoods, we can come out with a lot of trauma and it may not be your trauma or your trauma, but it comes from the same people, right? You're being raised and conditioned by these people and the pain that certain things can cause long after you're out of the house, it's profound. And you don't have to be a person who is completely estranged from their family to have been abused in some way or been traumatized by growing up. Um, and I thought, that was just a really powerful way to show that. And it's incredible the range of Sudeikis in that scene because he's talking the the trauma of, of finding his dad, how angry he was at him, um, how he still harbors a lot of that. You know, he says for for quitting on on him and his mom, and that's that's something that's been a theme of Ted. That's something that we unpacked, you know, last season with his divorce when he said he never quit on anything. Now we now we know why. But then that range comes into him telling, you know, after Sharon asked him the question, what he, what did he love about his dad? Cause she knows Ted loved his dad That's why he's taking this so hard. The, the story, I, I thought the best acting he did was the, the Johnny Tremaine story. He's got like, there's a, there's like a, like a slight chuckle and stuff as he's like, you can, you can see he's like vividly remembering this. It's, it's like, it's so bittersweet and it's so beautiful. And it's, we're seeing he's he's harbored all this resentment for years because of what happened, and yet he's still able to remember the same the same thing. You can watch the, you can go back and watch the barbecue sauce scene in a totally different light now, knowing mm -hmm. all this, seeing all this, and how you know how he talks about his dad used to take him to play darts, and that that's completely changed. And we get into the the Ted Lasso ethos. We know exactly why he is the way that he is. He says I was never going to let anybody get by me without knowing if they were hurting inside. And that's that's this character through and through. We've seen that from the second he stepped off that plane in London. He wants to know how his he he cares about everyone, not his not just his players, not just Beard, not just everyone. He wants everyone to be okay, and he wants to make sure that they have someone to talk to, someone who can understand them or help them. And he's foregone his own mental health for so long, and now he's getting that help, and it's. Uh, Corey, I mean, as, as a mental health advocate, like this is as as powerful a moment in TV as I can remember on that regard. Yeah, I mean, it it shows a complete range of grief when he starts out. He's talking about I'm I'm mad at him. I hate him because he quit. He quit on his family. And like, you know, when you're not in the situation, when you're on the outside looking in, because I, I hear that and I go, but we all listen, we all know 
that those they're not in their right mind when they do that. And it's not, you know what I'm saying? But I, but that's not, my dad hasn't killed himself. So I don't know how I'd feel in that situation. He goes from that to telling the story and then he gets to the end and you can, like you said, with his acting, you can start to see that he starts smiling a little bit and he goes, uh, he, he was a great dad, but I don't think he knew that. And I think that if he knew that, maybe he wouldn't have done what he did. And he starts crying. And then he has this realization of like, oh, right. Okay. He, the dude was clearly going through some things. And that, to me, that was the hopefulness at the end, like Ted's having panic attacks. But I think that one little moment right there is like, we're having a breakthrough, Ted. Like, you're, you know, obviously keep going to therapy. Don't quit. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, that was, uh, that was really rough. But I mean, in my opinion, they're handling, they're handling mental health better than I've seen any other show do it. Definitely better mm-hmm. than Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> and um alex last season we kind of talked about everything rebecca had gone through with rupert and and speaking of that we're going to talk about that even <sighs> motherfucker here in a little bit but Rupee. we talked about <laughs> we talked about <laughs> that in under trying to you know why rebecca was the way that she was in season one and you know how she was working through that and then this episode, we find out that that runs way deeper, and this is a lifetime of trauma. This is not just a, just a marriage, and Rebecca it seems to be almost not. I don't want to say through it. I don't think anyone's ever through it, but Rebecca seems to be really after this. She she you know after talking to her mom and after you know confessing what she saw and here like she seems to be really on on the way up and less less bothered even less bothered by Rupert at the end of the wedding than she was at the beginning of the wedding yeah well I think another big breakthrough here it wasn't just about her dad we were able to see that clearly her relationship with her mom has been strained because of what her dad did and when her mom what was the line about I I'm glad you hate me I thought you didn't feel anything at all for me or I thought you were I would take your hatred over indifference any day yes yeah and it's so and that was such a huge part of it and just like I know a lot of people didn't like the Rick rolling of the eulogy, but again, that was her way of supporting her mother and saying, you know, she realizes like there's a broken thing here that she still has the opportunity to fix. Um, And I think, yeah, if Rebecca hadn't gone through what she had gone through, she would have been more likely to hold on to that hatred because that's kind of what she was all about. And she's even admitted, you know, she pushes everyone away and never tries to be vulnerable. And I think she's had a lot of breakthroughs with that this season and so i think her story and her growth too is just as important and powerful to watch as ted's i want to talk about an honorable mention scene for me but i want to give the floor to alex on it because she predicted this she (laughs) she 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 brought this evil into my life by texting i know what it is theory making me very upset but she predicted it uh jamie confesses his love right Mm -hmm. away but then right after Roy confesses his insecurity and Keely is caught between a rock and a hard place. Her emotions are in a bind. Alex, when was it, how did it feel to just watch your, your prediction just play right? out on, on screen? Yeah. Tell me, what is it like to be <laughs> right? That must be nice. Look, I'm just saying I've been through some shit y'all when it comes to relationships and I can call that stuff. Like I may not be Mm -hmm. good at calling any other part of the storyline, but I can tell when a man is about to pull some shit. And so I knew back with the Roy and Keeley fight episode that this was more than just, oh, we get to see them fight and we get to see normal couples fight too. 
she's like the sneaking around and smoking her, even her reaction when he's interrupting her show, there's more going on with Keely. And Corey actually brought up a point I hadn't considered um, because we were texting about last week. And, you know, the fact that her whole life, it wasn't just Roy that changed her life. She was suddenly not a model anymore. She's out of the spotlight. Her whole life is about serving other people or being someone's girlfriend or doing this and how that could be having an effect on her having to take a back seat all of a sudden. Corey, you can elaborate on that. So I'm not putting words in your mouth. No, I mean, that's just, I, that was one thing. And I think it might just be because I'm a, I'm one of them evil carny show people uh, <laughs> that like, I start like when she started taking more of a behind the scenes role and stuff, I immediately made a mental note of that. And I go, okay, the shoe's going to drop on this because like, you don't just go from I'm modeling and being sponsored by vodka companies and I'm famous for being famous too. Oh, I'll just do this. I'll, I'll help other people. And I'm not saying that you can't eventually, it, you're not going to do that without having one last cigarette. You know what I mean? You're not quitting that mm -hmm. cold Turkey when you're that. And when she was with Jamie, that was the life. I mean, they were Kardashian in it up. It wasn't healthy, wasn't good, but like, I, I, I just get that. And my only thing is like, and I saw it whenever, you know, Jamie is, he's had a huge uh, face turn this season, which I think is great. I love seeing Jamie battle his demons and you find out more about his dad. And like, oh, I understand why that dude would be like that. It's not excusing it, but I get it. You know, he, he's not, he can be redeemed. Um, but I knew, I was like, there, he's going to do something shit ass because just like how Keeley can't just cold turkey quit being Paris Hilton, he can't cold turkey quit being a little shit and i know that him and roy have like started getting on now but like he don't give a shit like if he, if he can get keely back he don't care my only problem with it though is in most shows i feel like it would be the keely is she her she's not with jamie anymore she's with a level-headed like accountant type dude and now it's like oh you're really gonna leave this guy who's been really really good to you just for the famous good-looking soccer player but like Roy also is a famous good looking soccer player <laughs> and he's better for her and he's nicer. So like, to me, it's like, it's not really that much of a competition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times in shows, it would be like the, you know, the, the Jamie character confesses that love to her, walks away and then lame boy, like, I'm going back to Eastbound Ross and Down, Geller which is, or whatever. Yeah. I go back to Eastbound <laughs> and Down, which is a just. I mean, <laughs> Ken, Kenny Powers and April, just a terrible couple. Kenny Powers, awful person. But in season one, she's with Cutler, who yeah. is just like that there exact, like that, just straight up lame dude. Whereas Keely turns around, and there is Roy, not only being handsome, famous soccer player Roy, but then confessing his insecurity about death and telling that wonderful story about wishing he you know praying for a year wishing he could see his grandpa and that's like it's like right away it's like oh look how adjusted and healthy this guy is and again that roy and keely are so good at apologizing which is a a skill for couples it is very very important jamie it, it's super shitty for jamie to have done that but it's when you think about jamie that's probably it. the least the least shitty way he could have done right. that like right. he, he didn't try to make a move he just said it and he he walked away but it's I am very, that's probably my biggest question. Did you know why Roy uh, just happened to be there right when Keely turned around? Because he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. Roy can't, <laughs> Roy can't. 
did you guys watch the newsroom? I didn't, but there's one scene that I know very well from it because everybody sends it to me all the time. It's just one of those scenes. The Jeff Daniels uh, one. Jeff Daniels monologue. Yeah. I haven't the one seen with, the newsroom. The one with Jeff Daniels where he talks a lot. No, it's the one yeah. where he's in the psychiatrist's office. And, he, you know, Will is like really mad. at Mackenzie was her name, right? That was his girlfriend's name who cheated on him. And he's explained like, why can't, he's been kind of punishing her, I guess, for a while. Like she is his producer or something. I love how I know nothing about this show. Um, and he's, <laughs> he's essentially asking him, why can't I get over it? Like, why can't I forgive her? And the psychiatrist says, because you were betrayed, she was rejected by the guy that she cheated on him with. And so being with him was a way to get unrejected and it had nothing to do with Will. And he had to kind of get that through his head. I feel very similarly about Keely. It's not that, I mean, she's the one who called it off. Yeah, but why? Because he was never going to love her because he was, you know, messing around with other women. He wasn't very devoted. He didn't seem to care about her feelings. In a way, she got rejected. And I think you can, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying, if you look at the situation, I don't think she has any doubt in her mind how she feels about Roy. But there's something that will stick with you when you know, like, well, why didn't you love me the way he does? Why didn't you think that what is so wrong with me that you couldn't feel that way? And I just think that's what Keely's going through. Because I mean, Roy hadn't told her he loved her yet, had he? That was his first time. Jacqueline mentioned that too. I, I, I think that's that's the first time that we've heard it. That seems like it'd be from what he's confessing. It seems like that would be an opportune time to say that if you're going to say that for the first time. Yeah. So I think like they did that on purpose. That you know the parallel and her going back and forth. I just don't think it's as clear cut as. Roy is the better option. Of course he is, but people and their emotions, they're, I hate feelings. This is the problem with feelings. I've definitely gone for the worst option so many times in my life. I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. It's awful. And Jamie, you know, like we get really swept up in those moments. It's like, I know I shouldn't say this and it's not fair. No, it's not fair. And you shouldn't say it because you're trying, you're just trying to make yourself feel better and you're not trying to help her. So it's not so much love on your part as it is you've been moved by a funeral and you took a selfish moment. So love you, Jamie, but that was a bullshit thing to do. Yeah, he's come a long way, but fuck, man. Yeah, <laughs> Let's take a uh, quick ad break, get back with our funniest one-liner. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. Uh, Corey, same thing as best seen as the guest. You were you going first on this one. What was your favorite one-liner under-the-radar joke of this episode? 
Okay. This one slips in a lot. It, it does. Can I? I'll get, can I, I will give you some uh, also some honorable mentions. Um, so honorable mention, uh, Rupert says to Sassy, always a pleasure, Sassy. And Sassy says, fuck off and die, Rupert. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sassy is such a real one in this episode. Absolutely. Uh, runner up. Uh, another one is uh, congrats, mother. You've just fat shamed a baby to tears, uh, which is uh, Rebecca, which I thought was great. But to me, the best uh, this is I don't know why it's 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 very stupid, but I just think it's great. Sassy and Keely are having a conversation and Sassy goes, funerals are really weird. And Keely goes, I was literally just talking about that. Do you also want to be a tree when you die? And Sassy goes, hell yeah. Or a really stupid dog. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's great. Um, Sassy came in hot in this episode. So Sassy, Sassy always comes in hot. Sassy yeah. doesn't have a chill and i don't yeah. i don't mean that in a negative way no, sassy it's is like sassy's high energy sassy comes off the bench and starts launching through. yeah she's here to fuck dude <laughs> indeed she is i i don't have one other than that i mean i thought avenge me was just so good right you know, as we all know um and i don't know if there's like a one-liner in particular that stood out i i loved when you know at the end when rebecca's mom's like that's not Rick Astley. <laughs> like I thought he was black. Um, but I, I thought in general, the dialogue was just really good in this one. I love what Sassy said to Rupert in whole, how she was going to wear red to his funeral. <laughs> and like, what did she say? The other three people there bring joy it. to the other three people who were there <laughs> to shine a, to shine a joyful light on the other three people who were there. Yeah. And even though I, you know, I've gone on the record many times, not supporting the Rebecca and Sam relationship. I love that. You know, oh, when really? Nora finds out, we were all kind of, I don't, I think it's bad. So not because they're age, because it's unethical. No. But anyway, um, you know, when Nora has a crush on him. And so I kind of tensed up thinking she might, you know, be upset about it. And she was like, boss ass bitch. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. Nora is also a real one. I have a favorite line that nobody has mentioned yet. Uh, when Roy and Keely are having their first initial disagreement about the tree, about being turned into a tree and, and, you know, being turned into a piece of fruit or whatever. And Keely says the thing about he'll, he won't eat a, you know, piece of fruit or whatever, but he'll eat a kebab that he found a hair on. And Roy says, it's fine. If you know who the hair is from, he's a nice bloke. It's part of the deal, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a callback to his, his kebab restaurant and, from earlier in the season. And then later when he comes into the funeral home, just eating the apple with that shit eating grin on his face. <laughs> Cause he knew he's like, say it. I've got a bit. I wrote a whole bit coming up here. <laughs> it's adorable. So uh, also, when when Doctor Sharon expresses her disdain for tea, and Ted says, "I'll tell you anything." That's well. Now that we've already said that, that was my Ted moment. So that's just, it's a great Ted moment. Yeah, that was my favorite Ted moment because all the other Ted moments were a knife in my heart. It it is an episode for that. Just uh, it's it's. I, I say, I mean, we can just skip over to the the best Ted moment. It's it's that it's basically that entire thing with Doctor Sharon asking for a hug, asking if she's still gonna bill him, you know, bill him, bill him for this, and appreciating <laughs> her integrity, and then um, going along with the Rebecca's eulogy with the the Rick Astley song because of of course Ted that was Ted mine. was the first one to pick that up. Yeah, I thought. I mean, that was I thought that was such a sweet moment because he was there, and the fact that he walked in and. Obviously, everybody's wondering why he was late, but he was still there and he showed up and then he shows up in another way during the eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk about what worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet. Something for me that's big is, of course, Rupert has grown a scumbag goatee. I'm not saying that works on Rupert, but it works for the shitbag character. He looks like a Bond villain who gets killed by his own cronies. It's just the, it's <laughs> it's as fitting uh, a facial hairstyle on Rupert as you get a pot. Like, how do we make this guy look more slimy? Let's throw a real bad goatee on the guy. It just, Corey, I don't know about you, but that, that, I think that fits him perfectly. I love Rupert. Yeah, I think it's I think it's tremendous. I thought it was absolutely great. That guy and the goatee does it allows Rupert to just be able to make a face and you know exactly the type of piece of shit he is. I think it's tremendous. And Alex, I no one I mean, women in general have been have had I'm sure in your life you have had to wear some very uncomfy shoes to formal occasions and stuff your feet into things. Yeah, stuff your feet into things that there's just you you wish you could get out of. And our man Danny Rojas with his nice slick back hair and ponytail is suffering in this episode. And that was a very nice bit of comic relief kind of sprinkled throughout some very heavy moments. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And I like when he ends up in Rebecca's slippers and how grateful he is for it. I just love the whole like none of you can wear trainers, but (laughs) they're they're so proud of their dress shoes. I thought it was great. Oh, did I was I supposed to give my thing that I thought worked? Yeah, what else? And I skipped over. Okay, Uh, what worked for me was. This is a funeral episode, right? And it's also, without a doubt, the most positive and uh, it, that Roy Kent has ever been. Like, Roy wasn't a dick the entire time. He was cutting some jokes, but he was smiling. He was in his own way, really trying to be there for Keeley, really trying to be the, oh, we're, you know, we're in a couple, yada, yada, yada. And I thought that was a great juxtaposition of like, normally Roy is, Roy's miserable going to a nice dinner that someone's paying for. But for some reason, Mm -hmm. going to a funeral, he's just like, oh, we'll get through it, won't we? I thought that was cool. (laughs) Seeing that other side of Roy showing the right, like in this episode, you've got Ted, who's always overly optimistic and always smiling, absolutely breaking down, having a panic attack. And you've got Roy, who is usually a cynical dick, cutting jokes, doing apple bits, you know what I mean? Like, I thought it was I thought it was great that Roy proved like I don't just have to be that guy. I'm also I'm just really charming. Well, and I can also <laughs> relate to how Roy goes about serious issues like death, the you know, joking and stuff like that, because that's that's something I do. I have For sure. I have trouble. Uh, I have trouble approaching really serious issues. And it's like my my panic reaction to just make a joke about it or just avoid the seriousness of it completely. Like it's. It's probably a problem. It's probably something I, I need to address with a therapist. But top ten uh, time, top ten hardest I've ever laughed in my life. I guarantee you, six of them were at a funeral home. Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Especially if a comic died. Oh my god, you forget halfway through. You're like, oh right, we're here for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I had to do my dad's eulogy, and the, it was just joke after joke after joke. Yeah. Like it was, it was sweet. But it was every funny story I could possibly think to cram in there because I didn't want anyone to be sad. And I remember walking away from it that day being like, that was the way to do it. And then like a year later, it really upset me because I felt like I cheated people like out of, I don't know, an opportunity to cry. But then I'm like, no, it's it's for you. you Yeah. Yeah. and, And I just think like funerals in general, symbolically in storytelling, you know, it's a jarring thing because we get so used to life and we get so used to the terrible things about life, gestures everywhere. And you're faced with the reminder, it's all going to end. So you better figure it out now and you better figure out what you want to do now and who you want to be with. 
Um, Cause it's all going to be over one day. And so what else are you supposed to do? But when you're not going to laugh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's kind of the Roy motto as well. Uh, that's kind of what he, <laughs> what he tells Keely about after that story about his grandpa. Um, real quick on what let's go into what didn't work about this one. I have one thing that I, I don't want to say didn't work about the episode, but just made me upset and angry. And then one thing that I don't think legitimately worked. I want to start with that beard and Jane talking in the <laughs> funeral and like him, like live streaming the funeral. I, I just, that, that seems like it was, it was forced. I, I don't think they needed it. The show rarely makes missteps. And like, again, they don't do anything that isn't intentional. I don't, Corey, do you see any scenario where that comes back into play? No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it was fine. It was really quick. But I was going to say one thing that didn't work for me is there wasn't really enough beard in the episode because after we had that standalone, I was like, I'm really falling more in love with this guy. He's really funny. He brings a lot of table. But I agree. That one just – it wasn't needed. I mean, the episode's already 50 minutes. Like, you can cut that, and it's no big deal. Um, I was going to – like, it was definitely that. My runner-up, but only because, like, pretty much everything worked in this, and I knew I had something to say – and y'all just mentioned that you liked it. And it was fine. The first two Danny Rojas shoe jokes, cool. But then I just, for we could have cut a lot of those for time. Again, it's fine. Yeah. It wasn't bad, but you're making me say something out loud. And so that's what I'm going <laughs> to go with. Look, it's like everybody else is fine. What he, His feet just don't work in those shoes, for God's sakes. Come on. Yeah. Alex, did you have anything that didn't work? Um. I, I think like, I agree with the beard thing. That was my main one. And it's not even so much that it, this didn't work, but you know, at the end when like sassy leaves with Ted, can I just ask, where did Nora go? Nora has to get home somehow. Right. She wasn't there with anyone else. I didn't think about that. And it bothers me. I, I just, it was, the, and I realized that's such a mom thing to say. Right. But like yeah. watching her go off and it's like, where is your daughter? I didn't what even did think about it. I'm like, it's Europe. They walk, they got gondolas, you know, she'll be all right. <laughs> Yeah, and I Nora seems very independent. I feel like sure. if her, if her mom was like, "I'm gonna go hang out with Mr. Lasso," she's like, "I'm gonna go see my friends." And yeah, she's a boss. <laughs> okay. We're both gonna have a great afternoon. I well, and also, okay, here's something that didn't work for me. I actually liked the Sam and Rebecca closet scene. What I liked about it is that he said, "I've been wanting to do this all day," and he hugged her. It wasn't mm-hmm. like some sordid, lustful yeah. thing. Yeah. What I didn't like is how he ended it with, I'm only going to get more wonderful. Like at some point, somebody on the show yeah. has to address, even like when she told the girls about it, not one person is speaking up and saying, Hey, maybe not the best idea, especially yeah. now that you're going through this. Yeah. I mean, Rebecca's the only one who's saying not the best idea. Sure. I and I know. And like, I, d- I don't want to be the dude who does this, but you, since Alex brought it up, if, I mean, if the roles were reversed, it would look a lot different. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this was a WNBA basketball coach and he was hooking up with one of the chicks, we would probably not be like, yay, go for it. You do you. It's not because it's not the age. But we do live in we do live in a time, rightfully so, to where we are calling out, you know, people that are in positions of power, taking advantage of people that are their inferiors. And – I mean, while obviously I go, yeah, it's not the same thing. Technically it is. And to have it just be on the show and not even like if, if people were like at least mentioning that it'd be like, okay, well, they're going to like address that, but they're not. It's just like, yeah, whatever. It's an older woman and a soccer player. And so it's, it's totally fine, but it just doesn't, 
I just can't envision the scenario and where they break up and, and it's just like, well, okay, I'm still on the team and I love Sam. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. No. Yeah. yeah I, feel I, the same I don't way. think they're not going to address it either. I, I don't right. think this is, I don't think that ended in the closet. Right. Right. Sure. I think in there are just too many women writers on the show and they're all brilliant for them to leave it alone. I just don't like that. The only tension so far for this has been like that. It's a secret, mm-hmm. you know, and that they want to go public and they're having to sneak around. I, it's just a weird thing to me. And I think as much as we talk about power dynamics and um, predatory people, I mean, we can all look back we grew up with the Clinton Lewinsky case and how many of us were conditioned as kids to think that she was somehow the villain, this 22 year old woman who had the most powerful man in the world coming onto her. And it took us years to be removed from that and realize, Hey, actually you took advantage of a situation there. I know they'll answer it. I know there'll be something, everything's intentional. It just really bugged me. And then when he has those lines, like, I'm only going to get more wonderful. It just doesn't work for me. No, I'm with you. That's because to me, like if Sam, you are wonderful, you wouldn't say that. Like a real wonderful person wouldn't say that. And I do believe Sam is is wonderful. Yeah, there is wonderful. There we're not, we're definitely not done with that storyline. There's one other thing. I don't want to say it didn't work for me, but it just, it made me feel unpleasant. It's something that I think a few episodes ago, early in the season, and this was something that I was pretty adamant about, is they'll address this Nate thing. Nate, we'll figure out what's going on. We'll snap out of it. We'll fix this. He'll be sweet, precious Nate. And I don't think it's setting up like that. We've only got two episodes left. He's still being awful. He wants to come back as a tiger to ravage (laughs) people. Like, straight up, you know, he's still got that that spiteful thing, the the same thing that has him lashing out at at Colin in earlier episodes. He tries to come up with something more clever than sorry for your loss. It's just a a terrible, terrible look. And then whatever that evil motherfucker Rupert whispered into Nate's ear as he is leaving that funeral, whatever it was, was not good. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, nothing good will will come of that. I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed that on the second watch and I was like, okay. Part of me was like, well, if we were if we were meant to hear it, we would. But at the same time, they didn't just do that for no reason. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way that, like, why would they do that? Why would that be a scene action? Hey, go whisper something to his ear if we're not. And why, w- why would Rupert talk to Nate? Exactly. If right. Not there to, you go. Not to do something. Like, bad. he's not a player. He's not a player that he'd be like, oh, I'd love seeing you out there. Like, Rupert has no reason other than to, like, yeah, man, you're you're right. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's I hope something diabolical happens. I love Nate, by the way, but I'm fine with him falling from grace so that he can come back. Because I, you know, I could I could understand with Nate. You know, you pushed around. You're you're you've kind of been the dweeb, and now all of a sudden you're hot shit. He's never got to experience any of that. It's gonna go to your head. Like uh, Bill Murray said one time of he was talking about Chevy Chase, and he said, you know, when you get famous, uh, you've got two years. And you're going to be the biggest asshole in the world. And that's not your fault. You've got two years to be a big asshole. You've never experienced anything like this. The world's coming at you fast. You don't know how to handle it. After those two years, though, you have to decide if that's how you're going to be the rest of your life or if you're going to be a good person. And I think we all know what Chevy Chase decided to do. That was the quote. Um, <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I don't I don't think the show at whenever the show is done at the end of season three, I don't think the show will leave Nate as Chevy chase. I don't, I don't, I don't, no, 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 I don't, I don't either. think that's the show's MO. I don't either. Will they let him, will he leave Alex? Will they let, will, will he leave the season as this same guy or as even taking a step forward? in I don't want to say villain, but in this persona that has gripped him for this season. 
Well, I think if you look at the scene, it wasn't just that Rupert whispered something to him. It's that right before he did, he told Rebecca that they're selling off the shares of the club. It, to me, it's pretty obvious. Like he's either bought a club or he's starting a new club and he oh. wants to be part of it. Right. Oh. So, and I, I called that earlier. Shit. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't Kyle, didn't I call that like a few episodes ago? I like I predicted did, yes. something like that. I could see this ending up. With him we should have. I should have taken scene. one of my whiteboards. It's right behind me and started <laughs> keeping my a, a running, a running uh, Alex theory list and, and check them off. Yeah, and so I, I think no, I don't think we're gonna see. I could be wrong, but I don't think we're gonna see redemption with Nate yet. I think this season is probably going to end with kind of a cliffhanger of him leaving and going to Rupert's club. Um, and you know, something I was thinking about, and I might've brought this up on a previous episode. I don't think I did, you know, Nate's transformation didn't just happen this season. Like we saw some aggression out of him last season, even in the last episode where they make him a coach and he goes after Rebecca and he's like, you shrew, what did you do? Just he's got issues that are much more than just I've been promoted and, and, you know, he's got to deal with a lot of that. And we can't wrap that up in two episodes. Um, so I do think that's going to definitely play out but i think it'll be season three before we get any closure there yeah i i have a theory i might drop that theory at the end of this episode which is which is coming up here very shortly before that uh lenny harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character Corey, who is the i guess the best non-tetta rebecca character in this episode i'm going with rebecca's mom 100 percent. i thought that she stole all the scenes she was in i thought her emotional journey was great i just I love that actress. She is just cute as a bug in a rug. Uh, I just thought it was sweet. I, I, I don't know. I just really, I really enjoyed that dynamic. She was there to, you know, sort of uh, inform us more about why Rebecca is the way she is. And I just thought, I just, I just really like her when she comes in there. She's just one of them actresses that when I see her, I'm just like, oh, yay, something good. Well, the first time she pops up, she is she sees uh, Sam and his boxers and mm-hmm. gives us the line. And like clunky exposition, they leave little to the imagination. Yep, ah, that's a good line. I forgot about that. Yep. Alex, who's your favorite supporting character? Uh, sassy. I gotta go with Sassy on this. I just thought she was so great and hard to beat. Smart, and it's always good when she shows up. And love that Ted's gonna get some. Also, did we notice she sort of insinuated that he's packing? Mm-hmm. Did I mean, do we have part? do we have any doubt that that Ted I mean, Lasso is packing? Like it, it doesn't. I don't know. I see him being a very generous lover, regardless. So to me, I never really thought about his penis size, but you know, you can make it I've, work. I thought about it a lot. Yeah, I think he's, uh, <laughs> I think I think it's definitely I think it's definitely more than enough to write home about for sure. <laughs> Good <laughs> well, for you, as, Ted. As we roll into questions, you want answered to the next episode. It's kind of at this point. It's like what what do we think? What do we need wrapped up? It's not even, what do we want answered? What is going to be wrapped up? What is coming at the end of the season? Um, you know, is Nate, I, I think the Nate, whatever Nate said, or Richard, not Richard, Rupert said to Nate, I think that is going to come out to play in the next episode. I think Nate is going to make a play either for the head coaching job at AFC Richmond or moving to wherever, wherever Richard is. I think, why do I keep saying Richard? Rupert. I think Nate, I think there's there's no way that whatever Rupert said wasn't devious. That's a big thing that needs to be answered. And then, Corey, where do you where do you think we're going with uh, with Keely and Roy? That's, a, I mean, I, I genuinely have no idea. And I couldn't tell by Keely's reaction. You know, when Roy, 
Jamie says what he says. You can tell that she's like, oh, my God, all, all these old emotions start coming back to her. Then she turns to Roy and in probably in like, you know, a sitcom like The Office or something like that. As soon as Roy did his spiel, there would be the whole. And it was that moment that I realized I'd made the right choice. But we didn't get mm -hmm. that. Even with a facial expression, like you could still tell that she was like shocked at both of these things coming at her. And I genuinely don't know. And there's going to be a lot more than just which man is right for me at play for Keely. It's which lifestyle is best for me with Jamie. I, yes, I, I, Roy's way better for me and I actually like him more, but with Jamie, I'm on The Bachelor again or, or whatever. I'm doing the wearing leopard print and chugging vodka. I'm curious to see what happens there. I really don't want to get my heart broken, but at the same time, I love conflict. With Ted, you know that his issues are not going to be wrapped up by season's end. That's a lifelong journey, so we don't really have to worry about that. Now that you've said this, though, about Nate and Rupert, I'm starting to put in my head, I'm like, oh, Ted is having panic attacks and problems, and Nate's going to go after the head coaching job, and Rupert's going to use that as like, hey, he's not really fit. You'd be doing everybody a service. Now, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to because you've just you've, you've screwed my head up. Sorry, I do that to people. No, in a good way. <laughs> a Alex, good way. what do you – what do you think is coming down the pipeline or what needs to be answered? What do you need to be answered in the next two episodes? Something we need answered that we've forgotten about is that one scene a few episodes ago where Trent Krim approaches him in the bar and asks oh. him what happened to him on the field. And so back then, my theory was at some point they were going to interview Nate, you know, because he's like boy wonder and that Nate would let it slip, you know, that he had a panic attack or whatever. But like, that's got to go answered because he just wanted a statement from him. So something's going to come out. And I think there's going to be some story. But I also think the Sam and Rebecca thing has potential to become a story too. And so I'm curious to see what goes public, I guess, out of everything that's happened. Plus we have, you know, part of Ted's monologue in this one about his dad that I think was the most, not the most telling, but, you know, he mentions he grabbed a Coors Light out of the fridge and drink it. Mm -hmm. We've seen him... We haven't seen him directly have drinking problems, but we've seen him drinking a lot this season in terms of more than we did last season. And they're doing whiskey. that on purpose. Whiskey too. Yes, <laughs> you know. whiskey. And yeah. like him having that bottle of scotch in his cabinet to give Jamie on the Christmas episode, just having it so he could give it to him. But we also see Dr. Sharon when he went to her apartment, all the wine bottles. And we see a scene later where she spilled some wine on her table. I don't know what they're going to do with that either. And, you know, I don't think they're just going to leave it there, but it's hard to think that this season can end cleanly. I think mm -hmm. it's going to end a little bit messy on purpose. What was our main source of like, as we were going into the season one finale, was it pretty much just like, will AFC Richmond get relegated? Cause we, we kind of, we had a good feeling about Keely and Roy. They might've already gotten together at that point. There wasn't really anything else that was really leaving us that much on edge. It was pretty much gearing up for that game against man city and is, AFC Richmond going to get relegated. And now I feel like we have so much that like could go either way. And I'm, I'm just very ready to be surprised. I don't think they'll go chalk on anything. Um, ready for something to, to come out of left field and, and really shock us in this one. It's going to be awful. Yeah. I was just, it just crossed my mind. I was like, we hadn't talked about soccer once. That's how awesome this, this show about <laughs> soccer is, but yeah, the States have nothing to do with that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, because the soccer itself seems to be going well. They made it yeah. to the, the semifinals of that tournament and they seem to have been a long shot. So like it seems like things are going well in that regard. I think 
I think the biggest thing with soccer is going to be if Nate is going to make a play for this head coaching mm-hmm. job or what's like Alex said, what's going to, I had completely forgotten about that Trent Krim. Cause the thing we know about Trent Krim, it used to be that he could, he could turn out a, a full profile in 24 hours, but in one now, night, he, it's amazing. now he seems to be biding his time on some investigative reporting. So I am, I don't know. It's I, I my, just my gut is Nate is going to be used as a vessel of evil in yeah. some way, some way or another. <laughs> And, you know, hopefully we get a redemption for Nate because I, I really I loved him. Sweet, sweet, precious. Get off the grass, Nate. Uh, Corey, this was wonderful, sir. I am I'm so happy that you joined us for this episode. Tell the folks again where they can follow you on social media, where they can check out your upcoming tour dates. Uh, you go to wellreadcomedy.com. That's W-E-L-L-R-E-D comedy.com. Or just follow me on Twitter or if you Google me stuff, pops up and you can just click them things but hey i thank y'all so much for having me it was an honor and a, a privilege of course you'll you'll have to come back alex where is the content where can the folks check that out ftw.usatoday.com or just follow me at alex mcdaniel or just follow for the win and for the win you'll find the content the content's there content is always there if you enjoyed this episode of big screen sports please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate and leave a review if you are on apple podcast if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with another episode talking five favorite fictional bands in honor of the 25th anniversary of that thing you do coming out. Just incredible, incredible movie. Go treat yourself to it this weekend and we'll catch you next week with another Ted Lasso recap. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.